Welcome back to Drunkenly Paranormal, your dose of debauchery in a dastardly drunken podcast. My name is Salem, and I'm joined by that monster of many malt liquors named Harlem. Harlem, you ready to dive back into another investigation? Hell yeah, let's go. Tonight we'll be doing things a little differently. Instead of just bringing you one case, we'll be doing two in the same episode. They're both too short to have a standalone episode, so by combining them, you should still be getting the usual amount of drunkenly paranormal that we know you crave. First off, we'll be bringing you a story that I knew nothing about before I chanced across a daily story calendar that Brittany has. But before I tell you more, if you're first joining us and perhaps are wondering what goes on here in Drunkenly Paranormal, well, we'll tell you. We're the paranormal investigators that believe an open, expanded, possibly inebriated mind is necessary to unlock life's mysteries. With that spirit in mind, we like to investigate with a cold drink in our hand to strengthen our courage and raise, well, certainly our spirits, but maybe others as well. Our episodes will go something like this. We'll introduce a case, present some background, review some history, then we'll turn our attention to the evidence and debate the merits of, the, of that evidence, as well as the finer points of what alcohol brings to paranormal investigations. Like true gentlemen and scholars, we'll discuss the evidence and perhaps even, perhaps even make a suggestion on how we would conduct the investigation in person. And then at the end, we'll vote to decide if we think we're just drunk or if there's something paranormal going on. Harlem, have you heard of the Bermuda Triangle? Hell yeah, who hasn't heard of the Bermuda Triangle? Yeah, planes going missing, people vanishing. Right off of Florida, absolutely. Yeah, what about the Alaskan Triangle? I've uh, not heard much about the Alaskan Triangle. See, that one's, that one's a little bit less well known. Tonight we'll be talking about the Bennington Triangle. The Bennington? Bennington Triangle. Where is this one located? So the term was coined by Joseph A. Citro in 1992. The triangle centers on Glastonbury Mountain and encompasses the surrounding town of Glastonbury, Bennington, Woodford, Shaftesbury. (laughs) I for sure thought you were going to laugh. Shaftesbury? Shaftesbury. Wow, what kind of chaperone? Might start with H and then in herpes. (laughs) What? Might start with H and then in herpes. There you go. Dude, every time I would read the name Glastonbury when I was doing the research, it would remind me at at A&M, there's literally a building called the the Glasscock Building. (laughs) Uh, And the last town that comprises the triangle is Somerset. The towns of Glastonbury and Somerset were successful logging towns in the 19th century, but never made it to the point where they were uh, townships. In fact, they were abandoned shortly after 1937. Today, they're effectively ghost towns with populations that collectively are equal to 10 people. The curious part about this triangle is that in the span of five years, between 1945 and 1950, five people vanished without a trace. The first was Mitty Rivers on November 12, 1945. A group of five hunters were led by the 74-year-old Mitty Rivers, uh, and he was supposed to take up four to five hunters up the hill. I don't know if it was four or five. Reports kind of vary and conflict, but a a number of hunters, not just one or two guys. Uh, Rivers was supposed to lead them up Glastonbury Mountain, an area that Rivers had hunted for decades, uh, when Rivers became separated from the group. The hunters searched for their guide, but found no one. When they returned to town, they told anyone who would listen about their guide's disappearance. Soon, 
uh, locals were looking for their missing friend. Soldiers from Fort Devens arrived, and the search party soon grew up to 300 people. They searched for eight days up and down the mount mountain, searching through rivers and trees, but they found nothing to suggest where rivers ever went. So, Harlem, you spent some time in the woods. Uh, what do you think about that? Somebody vanishing, no trace, no tracks, eight days yeah, of searching? something, you know? Yeah. And there were soldiers out looking for them. They got to know something about tracks, right? Yeah, you figure. So, I don't know, but maybe he just up and left and kept going. Maybe something ate him, you know? But I feel like they'd find something. Yeah, especially, especially after eight days of searching, you know? Yeah. On some of the hikes that we've taken, you know, we've walked up dirt paths, right? Yeah. And do you ever remember, like, looking down at the, the feet of the person in front of you and you could see the boot prints that they leave? Mm-hmm. The curious part to me about this first instance is they couldn't even find that. Like, there wasn't even a boot print in the dirt Where somewhere. Left the group or whatever? Right, yeah. What if like, they hiked barefoot? I mean... There'd still be an impression, I'm sure. Yeah, you'd, you'd still be able Maybe to see his feet. intense, but there'd be something. Broken plants. Yeah. Or... I also feel like if you're barefoot, you're not going to be able to move as quickly. Because there's rocks, sharp twigs, yeah. bugs, <clears throat> sand pits. I don't know about that last one. I'm just improvising. All right. The second disappearance occurred on December 1st, 1946, when Paula Weldon disappeared. She was the, the daughter of a wealthy industrial engineer. At the time, she was an 18-year-old sophomore at the local Bennington College and was known to all as an avid hiker. <coughs> Sorry. She had just wrapped up a double shift at the dining hall where she worked and decided she wanted to take a hike. So she goes back to her dorm room. She runs into her roommate. And she goes, hey, you know, I was feeling a tad depressed in the previous days and Sounds like I've been kind of been a little bit homesick, and I think what's going to cheer me up is if I can go on a hike because she's an avid hiker. She loves to hike, uh, and since she's an avid hiker, we can assume that she is someone that knows her way around the wilderness or at least the hiking paths in the area, right? Well, on that day, she set out for a hike at two thirty p.m. Does that raise any red flags for you out the gate? Might mm, be a little late in the afternoon to be going hiking up a mountain. Agree. So, apparently, she wanted to hike the long trail on Glastonbury Mountain. Now, I looked that up. As far as I can tell, it's 22.4 miles. And it's part of the Appalachian Trail. And she started at 2.30. And she started at 2.30. That's more like, uh, backpacking. Yeah, a 22-mile a hike is doable in a day if you start when the sun's up and you have plenty of water. Yeah, it's... Definitely backpacking because you're going to need to carry a lot of things. Yeah. You need to have proper footwear on, plenty of water, probably some food because you're going to get hungry. I think the only the average person walks like three miles an hour. So that's minimum seven and a half hour hike. Damn. So she's getting there late, 9 p.m. Yeah. Well, she takes off on the trail regardless of the length, um, which as we'll find out, she doesn't know it's a 22.4 mile hike. So a second thing you should never do when you go hiking is go hiking for an unknown distance because you will get screwed. Like, yeah, I've learned that lesson. Yeah, I have too. What happened? 
Oh, the, mo the most recent example for me was I went to hike uh, Snow Lake in Washington. And my sister took me and she goes, it's only a two mile hike. And I was like, okay, cool. So I brought two miles worth of water. What she neglected to tell me is that it was two miles straight up. Like it was no less than 45 degrees. We were working the switchback. Then we got to the top and then it's two miles back down. So I ran out of water before I summited the mountain. Uh, so yeah, that's another good thing. Know the distance, know the elevation. Yeah. Don't listen to your sisters. Yeah, my experience was the Guadalupe State Mountains. Uh, yeah. We did it, I did it in the summertime with Joe, and we were like, let's take the long way up. We didn't realize how long it was, but he wanted to take the long way up and not the short and easy way. And uh, we were like, all right, let's do it. And I went into this thinking, dude, this is going to be like a mile and a half. And I'm like, this is going to be a piece of cake, because I used to do college classes walking a mile and a half and I was carrying like jugs of water on me and you know we were like in a split having to like wear the backpack with all of our gear and I had Ruka strapped to me and dude it ended up being probably like uh like a seven mile hike up elevation. Is this is this the same hike where like it got dark and then Ruka ran off? Yeah. Oh no she I'm saw on top it. of the mountain. She saw a deer, right? And she went to chase it? Yeah. She's already a dark colored dog. Yeah. Yeah. And I ended up finding her. And then we stayed up there and I tied her up outside and I left her outside because Joe wouldn't let me have her in the tent. <laughs> and halfway through the night, I like opened the tent up to check on her and it's cold as hell outside. And she's shivering just like a lot, dude. And I looked at Joe and I woke him up and I'm like, dude, she's shivering, man. He's like, all right, fine, bring her in. Why wouldn't so, you let her in the tent? <clears throat> He was just worried about her fucking it up. But uh, she got right in the tent, dude, and she slept right in between us. Oh. <laughs> so yeah. cold. Yeah. Good dog. Uh, so at roughly 4 p.m., uh, Paula comes across another hiker and asks him how far the trail extends. So here's another good uh, indication. She had no idea how long this trail was. The hiker tells her that the trail goes all the way to Canada. This is the last confirmed sighting. Nobody sees her after this. Yeah, well, she probably got lost as fuck, and of course, in the middle of the night, maybe even two. Yeah, I mean, you gotta figure, it's 2.30, she leaves campus. It's four o'clock is the last time she's seen. I gotta imagine there's commute time in between. So she couldn't have been hiking very long when she was last spotted, which is the curious part, because if that's the case, she couldn't have gotten very far along the trail. You know what I mean? Yeah. So other than not knowing really where she was going or how long she was hiking for, why did she vanish? Some believe that because she was not prepared for the hike uh, and was not dressed for a winter night, not to mention she had no idea how long the trail went. What month was it? December. <laughs> Hard pass. Where it led out or even apparently what direction she was headed in because she was like, where's this trail go? Canada. Oh, Okay. Like, hopefully she knew that meant north. Now, based on these questions, she didn't really seem like she knew what she was doing. But she went from what state to Canada? Vermont to Canada. That's not that far. So, foul, why did she go missing is really the question. Foul play is always possible. This last person to see her alive could have killed her and just lied about seeing her and saying, hey, she's still alive. And well, she, I told her to go to Canada. So, you know, throw the searchers off. 
shit, human, human trafficking. Human trafficking, yeah. I mean, that's, that's an entirely possible. You know what I actually read somewhere? It was like a map of like where all the people would go missing in the world. Mm-hmm. And then there was a map of like mountains with deep caves and shit like that. Oh. And sure enough, it, there was a huge correlation between where that, those mountains were and where those people were going missing. So this this trail that Paul's hiking is part of the Appalachian Trail, and I couldn't find a statistic, um, but I know that people disappear all the time hiking the Appalachian Trail. Uh, and, I mean, the, the trail extends from, like, I don't know if it's Maine, it might be Vermont slash upstate New York, and it goes all the way down to, like, Georgia. So it's thousands of miles long. But I've, I've read stories of people who have hiked it and they've reported like seeing people follow them out in the woods. Like imagine, have you seen the movie The Hills Have Eyes? Uh, That's a song. I don't think so. In the, in the movie The Hills Have Eyes, it's been a long time since I've seen it. These people break down in the middle of like the desert, like desert hills. Um, but then there's these like people who have been mutated by nuclear radiation testing in the area. And they like follow them as they're walking along the road trying to get help and then kill them and eat them. Uh, but in some of these stories I've heard, people who have hiked the Appalachian Trail have reported seeing strange-looking people who will, like, follow them and try and break into their camp. Um, and some reports they'll even, like, attack them. They're not, like, mutated by nuclear radiation, but they're these people who... Are super tall and hairy? <laughs> no. It's it's not like, uh... I forget what our... Bigfoot. Bigfoot, yeah. It's nothing like that. But they're, like, really isolated and they think that the Appala- that part of the Appalachian Trail that these people are wandering along is actually their land, and they take objection to that. Uh, so like I said, foul play was a possibility. Some suspect that due to her lack of pre- preparation, she, she basically freezes to death, succumbs to the elements, which is entirely possible. It's December in Vermont. But where's her body? But where's her body? She could have... One of the things that I guess could have happened is because she didn't bring enough water... She could have got rapidly dehydrated and then wandered off the trail. And so when they eventually searched for her, they couldn't find her because she wasn't in their search grid. Uh, Dehydration can muddle your mind. It can fuck with your sense of direction. It can put you in like a stupor. Um, Others believe that foul play happened. Um, So looking, looking at you last man who saw her or that she ran away. Regardless of the reason, she unfortunately disappeared and there, again, was no trace of her. Just like with Maddie Rivers, we've got a second disappearance, no trace. The third disappearance was a man named James Tedford. It occurred on December 1st, 1949, exactly three years to the day after Paula disappeared. Tedford was a veteran of the Second World War and was living in the Bennington Soldiers' Home. This establishment was constructed in 1860 by Seth B. Hunt, uh, and it was likely for veterans of the Civil War at the time it was established. Uh, the State General Assembly appointed the, it, the trustees of soldiers' home and authorized a $10,000 appropriation to get it built. So with like inflation t- for today, uh, that's like $270,000. It's like a house in Texas. Yeah, pretty much. So it's, you got to imagine it's, it's a nice little home. Uh, he was yeah. That's, honestly, back in the day, that's a lot of money. Too. Yeah. So he leaves the soldiers' home, and he's supposed to be visiting relatives in Saint Albans Township, about three hours north of his town. 
Witnesses reported seeing him on a bus after a, the last stop before Bennington. However, when the bus arrived in Bennington, he was not on it. Passengers reported only finding his bus timetable on the seat and his luggage on the rack. There was never any sign of him. This one's a little, like, uh, odd, I guess. It's like he vanished out of thin air. Yeah. And as, as opposed to the first two, he doesn't disappear in the woods. He disappears on a fucking bus. Like, I suppose they could have stopped and nobody noticed he didn't get back on the bus. Or maybe it left without him. Maybe he forgot his luggage. Right. Uh, and then something happens to him when he's trying to, like, walk the rest of the way to his family. I mean, there's, there's a lot of realm for possibility for things that, that could have happened. All right. The fourth disappearance associated with the triangle occurred in 1950. Paul Jefferson was a mere eight years old when he left, when he was left unattended in a truck on October 12, 1950. No, not a baby. His mother had to duck into work and feed the pigs. I guess she worked on a, a local farm. She did not think she would be gone long. The air was cool, so she thought young Paul would be fine in the locked car. She was gone no more than an hour. Wow, what? who's your car? Their kid in the car for an hour? Bruh, for real. An no eight-year-old, an, an eight-year-old especially. I could get it if it was like a little shithead teenager that was being like moody and whatever. But like, fine, you can sit in the car, play on your phone, and be angsty and shit. But don't get out. That's fine. But an eight-year-old... Yeah, get that kid out and make him work. But play on your phone? What year was that? Oh, 1950. Yeah. I'm just talking about modern time. Was there even AC in the car at that point? Or no. Or heaters for... They're in Vermont? But it's Vermont in October... That's, that's another good question. I'm like, judging her parenting hard for... It was probably pretty cold in October in Vermont. And, I don't know, maybe he was asleep in the back. I don't know. I don't think leaving the kid alone in the car was the right call at all. Anyways, she was gone, according to her, no more than an hour, and she returned to find Jeff gone. The mother reported her son was wearing a bright red jacket that should have made him more visible. Search parties were quickly formed to look for the child. Bloodhounds were even brought in uh, to smell out where he'd gone. According to one story, they were able to track him to a local highway where the trail went cold. According to the same local legend, it was near the same spot that Paula was last seen. Coincidence? No, bro, that is a classic child abduction. An hour in a car and you think it's the mountain men? Yeah, and shit, he disappeared right by the highway. Yeah. yeah. The trail goes cold at the highway. Probably because the he creep... picked up at the highway. Yeah, he either got out and started walking or somebody lured him out of the car and walked him to his car and drove off of it. All right, poor baby. She's over at the pig farm. He had to have walked. <laughs> yeah, I, there's there's a lot of weird... How ass- does one acquire a job at a pig farm? <laughs> I don't... I don't... It's 1950. I also don't think... I'm not trying to, like say nasty things about pig farming, but I gotta imagine it's not exactly a hard profession to get into. So the fifth and last disappearance occurred just a mere 16 days after Jeffson went missing. That was his name, right? Jeff. Yeah, I guess his name was Jeffson. No, it was James. Okay, so... You called him Jeff the whole time, didn't he? Jeff. He was gone. You misspelled it. Oh, no, no, no. I was right. He gave it the Paul PH Jefferson. It's an F sound. It's the same thing, right? So you just called him Jeff. I guess I just called him Jeff. Whoops. All right. So it was a mere 16 days after 
Paul Jefferson went missing. On October 28, 1950, Freddie, or Frida Langer, age 53, and her cousin, Frida. Herbert Elsner, yeah. Frida? Frida. Like Frida Okay, Frida Langer. Uh, they, were, they left their family campsite near Somerset Reservoir to go on a hike. During the hike, Langer slipped and fell into a stream. She told Elsner if... Uh, what? Oh, okay. She told Elsner if he would wait, she would go back to the campsite, change, and catch up. So he agreed, sat down, and started waiting. When she did not return, Elsner made his way back to their camp and discovered that Langer had not returned. Her clothes were untouched, and there was no sign of wet clothes left out to dry. When he questioned people nearby, nobody had seen her. Just as many times before, they brought out search parties, they looked around, but they found nothing. That was until May 12, 1951, near five months later, her body was found near the Somerset Reservoir in an area that had been, quote, extensively searched. No cause of death could be determined because of the condition of her remains. She was the last person to disappear in the triangle and the only person whose remains were ever found. Now, these were the disappearances within the triangle, but it made me wonder, since it was part of the Appalachian Trail, how many people each year vanish along the trail. Um, I, like I, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I found many stories of people getting lost, vanishing outright, seeing weird things, feeling like they were being stalked. Uh, many of the stories of people going missing can be easily attributed to overconfidence or ignorance of the wilderness. Uh, but what can be said by this tales is that too many people went missing in that five year span without much of an explanation for people not to scratch their head and wonder, is something paranormal going on? What do you think, Harlan? I'm thinking some of these stories are a little weird. Maybe there's a little paranormal going on. Some of these stories, I think we're just a little drunk. Like that one with the kid, you know, and him disappearing at the highway. Like, he could have just been abducted right then and there at yeah. the highway. So I could see that one being drunk. But then the ones where people are vanishing and their bodies are appearing in some area that's been well-searched, uh, that could be either just straight up someone kidnapped and murdered and she maybe escaped and they killed her and then her body just deteriorated or it could be something paranormal I don't know like I don't know I feel like if it were paranormal there'd still be maybe there wouldn't be as much evidence like a body and like at least maybe tell if there was something happening to the body yeah only one set of remains was discovered and it was so deteriorated and you, you bring up some good points like I, I can certainly Think of logical explanations for why a few of these people went missing. Uh, Paula, uh, little Paul Jefferson, uh, Maddie Rivers one, it made me scratch my head. because Where he's, he vanished out of thin air? Yeah, he vanishes out of thin air. He's uh, like known in that part for being a competent outdoorsman and yeah. a good hunter. And, and not he's only... just disappearing on the job. That yeah. That, that sounds really kind of suspect to me. But me, me personally... I am not able to really call this paranormal, like the Bennington Triangle paranormal. Yeah, I'm saying drunk for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm going drunk as well. So that, boys and girls, was the first part of this episode. And we'll be moving into part two, A Haunting in Holland. Wait, so final vote was double drunk? Double drunk. Did you want to weigh in? Actually, before we move on, 
I meant to ask you. 100% not paranormal. Okay. Sad, so, but not paranormal. So, three votes with... We got Trump. a triple D. We got a triple D. Diners, Dragons, and Dines. Welcome to Flavortown. That tri- a triple D is more than a double D. P. Yeah, because there's three of them. I'm glad you guys can count. Get it? Because it's it's a triple it's a triple drunk and drunkenly paranormal. So it's a it's a triple DP. All right, so we're moving. That was part one, boys and girls, and we'll be moving into part two, a haunting in Holland. It fucks Holland out again. <laughs> Denmark. Where's uh, Denmark? Yeah. Europe. Thanks. Geography. It's also the country that has Amsterdam in it, if you were wondering. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know where fucking Amsterdam is. <laughs> so there is an anonymous Dutch YouTuber that goes by the name of Sabia L. She lives in Holland. Sabia L's videos are perhaps some of the most credible looking paranormal evidence that I've seen to date. I hadn't heard about her before. Uh, one day I was watching Nuke's Top 5, which if you're unfamiliar with it, He's a lot of great paranormal content that I think would be worth any investigator checking out. So Sabia L lives in an apartment inside a home that was originally built in 1923. She's apparently been living in the apartment for about a year. 1923, that's before the Second World War. That is before the Second World War. Keep that in mind. Second World War, people died. And uh, Holland... So probably, though, right after World War One. It is right after World War One because that ended in 1918. Uh, but Holland was occupied by the Germans. Well, Denmark was occupied by the Germans during the Second World War. She's only been there for a year, um, and since she wants to maintain her anonymity on the on the internet, I can't tell you much about her, and I can't tell you much about her home. Sabia tells us that shortly after she moved in, she noticed a presence with her in the home. She claimed she was a skeptic before moving in, which I don't think is... I think a, a lot of people use that as a pre-qualifying statement, so you believe them. But I digress. Shortly after moving in, she soon begins to notice odd things around the home. Lights she thought she left off are suddenly on. Drawers she was certain she closed are now open. Objects moved around the room without her having done it, and on occasion, she claims to have seen shadow figures out of the corner of her eye. After enduring these eerie experiences for a few months, Sabia arms herself with her camera phone and decides she wants to catch some of this paranormal activity. Try to catch a prisoner. <laughs> Since our listeners cannot see the videos, I'm going to do my best to describe them to you at home. The links will be in the description, so I encourage you to check them out so you can decide for yourself what you think of Sabia. The first video she uploads to YouTube is dated 11 January 2021. It's only a minute and a half, but a lot happens. The video opens with her getting a view of her kitchen from the doorway. You can see the light is on. Directly across from her, you can see a sink full of pots and pans, and all the cabinet doors are closed. Things look normal. As she enters the kitchen, she turns to her left, and you can see a door on the other side of the room that leads to the exterior of her home. And this is a tiny kitchen. This is not like a big thing. It's real small. So she's standing in the doorway of this uber-small kitchen. And directly across, across from her, you can see... The sink is full of pots and pans. All the cabinets are closed, and things look normal. Damn, lady, do the fucking dishes. Yeah, actually, when I was watching the video, that was one of my thoughts. I was like, fuck. If, if I left as many dishes in the sink 
As you did, Brittany would beat my ass. Alright, so as she enters the kitchen, she turns immediately to her left, and you can see a doorway about two feet away that leads to the exterior of her home. Uh, to her left, you can see what looks like a little stove. To her right is like a mini fridge from a college dorm. Also, just side note, I don't know how anybody lives in an apartment and just has a mini fridge for storage space. Like, maybe she gets groceries every day, it works for her, but that was one thing, I was looking at her fridge and I was like, God damn, that's small. Like, that would not work. Dude. That would not work for me, man. Maybe they don't have a lot of refrigerated goods there, or perishable goods. I don't know, the, the European, uh, like, food processing laws are way more strict than America's. So they tend to eat a lot more organic. Honestly, they, they probably have cleaner eating than you do. Anyways, you can hear her breathing a little hard. She's whispering to herself and seems like she's afraid. Her camera briefly pans around the kitchen, and you can see that there's no one there. At this point, she retreats back across out of her kitchen and gets into her living room. She's scanning the camera around. Once again, she appears to be alone. Just as she reaches her bedroom on the opposite side of the apartment from her kitchen, you can hear what sounds like a drawer sliding open. She turns around quickly and you can see the overhead light in the living room is now swinging back and forth. And just as she pans the camera to the right towards the kitchen, you can hear the audible click of a light switch being thrown and the light goes out. She swears and then tentatively begins to approach the kitchen once more. The kitchen light at this point is flickering on and off rapidly. And as she crosses her living room, you can see the light fixture above her is still swinging back and forth. Yeah, I'd be shitting my pants at this moment. Yeah, dude, she's way more brave than I would have been in that moment. I would have stood frozen on the other side of the room and not fucking moved at all. Yeah, I would have been like, where's my fucking door and where's my gun? Yeah. And which one's closer? Which one? No. be able to make it to the gun. <laughs> but dude, if I saw what she saw, I would not be thinking paranormal. Because I can hear the light switch being thrown, I'm like... There's so many in my fucking kitchen. Where's my gun? I'm about yeah. to shoot this dude. And there was no one fucking there. No one's, yeah, no one's in her apartment with her. And it, like with true balls of steel, she, she approaches the kitchen. She kind of hesitates outside the door. She gathers her courage and then storms into the kitchen. At this when she enters the kitchen, the lights are on at this point. They've been flicking on and off, but they're on. Several of her drawers are now thrown wide open. And where just literally a few seconds before they'd all been closed, it looks like the kitchen is now in complete disarray. She's breathing harder now, and you can tell she's afraid. She closes one of the drawer, drawers and then retreats out of the kitchen back into the living room. The camera pans around, and again, you can see the light fixture has stopped swinging, and she's definitely alone. Suddenly, you can hear the drawer slide shut again, and the light in the kitchen clicks off. She whirls around and starts creeping back towards the kitchen. Her breathing is getting harder and more punctuated with fear. Just as she reaches the kitchen door, a black silhouette can be seen peering out from the darkened kitchen. She screams, and the video clicks off. Now, in the video, you can clearly see this, like, black void where the kitchen's now dark. And then slowly, something starts to edge out, and it's at head height of, a, like, an average height person. I got a screen grab of it, and you can clearly tell up and down the doorframe. Yeah, there's something up. There's something kind of just peeping out. Yeah, other than this bulge. And I, I missed this, man. I feel like I got to rewatch it now just to see if I can see it again. So for the viewers at home, if you watch the S Sabina videos, or um, you, you can see things happening, 
but I would definitely recommend also watching Nuke's Top 5 because he plays it back multiple times. He screen grabs, he draws arrows to things, and uh, the screen grab we have right here is of the silhouette from his video, so I would recommend seeing both. So now that you've seen the picture, you've seen Sabia's video, and you've seen, I'm sorry by the way if I keep alternating Sabina and Sabia, I, I mess it up, sorry guys. But Harlan, now that you've seen that video and Nuke's video where you can actually see distinctly the figure poke its head out, what are you thinking right now? Uh, got the chills, it was creepy as fuck, and like it looked like a person almost, but it was just a black silhouette. Yeah, that's crazy because the, the living room is like softly lit, but there's definitely enough light where if it had been a person with features, you would have seen them. Like if, but it was just this black void. When I watched it, dude, I was trying to debunk it the whole time. I was, I was thinking to myself, maybe she's using like fishing lines or there's another person there that was hiding that we couldn't see. However, no matter how many times I thought about it with how quickly the video plays out, I'm left with the conclusion that can't be it. Things are happening too fast. And she sounds genuinely scared. I couldn't see or place anyone. Uh, another thing that I found incredible is that the events happen in one fluid take. It's not, there's no jumps as if she like staged it and then uh, cut the video and so she's now across the room. It's all fluid. There's no obvious edit, edits. Uh, it was super intriguing. Now the second video is posted on January 21st, 2021. So just 10 days after the first one. It's also a short video and it's only two minutes long. It opens with the camera pointing towards her bedroom. The bedroom is segmented from the living room by a single sliding glass door. As the video begins, you can already hear Sabina breathing really, really hard. So she seems like she's already scared and that she's been experiencing something before the video started and decided to try and catch it on camera. She's standing in the living room with the camera trained on the sliding glass door. You can hear thumps and bangs and suddenly the door is pushed open. Uh, the glass door slides about a foot. Like it looks like somebody jerked it and like a little bit and kind of tried to throw it closed but yeah. didn't have enough strength. Yeah, Once again... It just popped out. Yeah. Almost. It's super weird. And like... If she's trying to use fishing line or something... Nah, it was kind of going too fast, I thought, for fishing line. It, it definitely was. And with the angle of the camera, it was, like, perpendicular to her. Like, a fishing line, you have to pull parallel, right? She's, yeah. She's perpendicular. I couldn't think of a way. And, and I like, felt like there... I think I saw a couch in front of it, too. Yeah. There's too much shit in the room for her yeah. to try to stage, stage this. So, once again, credit to her for her courage, because she marches into her... Her bedroom, the camera pans around and she looks for a source of the movement. In that situation, are you storming into your bedroom? You got the balls to do that? Brittany's shaking her head. She's like, no, no. I'd probably be like, what the fuck just made my door do that? You know, and I'd be looking behind it like maybe something knocked it. Yeah. I would run and call you or Adrian. The, the craziest part is that that sliding glass door slides into the wall. Like, I'm pretty sure there's a gap for where the door fits in. So... There's no way for someone on the other side of the door, per se, to knock it or throw it without knocking the, 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 glass, the door off its tracks uh, or being visible. So she goes into the room. The video is, is very dark. I'll, I'll give it that. But I don't see anyone lurking in the shadows. She pushes the door back, so the doorway is now almost open. She stands in the doorway, which is not something I would have done because I would have been afraid the door's going to pop open and nail me. 
panning her camera around her apartment. And just as with the first video, she appears to be completely alone. The kitchen light then begins to, once again, turn on and off. And it doesn't look like a short flickering of a bulb to me because you can, again, actually hear the light switch click as it's being flicked one way or another. She starts to approach the kitchen, but just as the light switch toggles back on and off, she kind of hesitates. She gathers her courage and charges into the kitchen. The drawers are closed and she looks around the room. And this is something in the first video I wish she would have done. She then marches up to the exterior door and tries the door handle. And it's locked. So and it's like firmly shut too. Like it's not just lightly closed or anything like that. Right. So there's there's no way for someone to, in the, the amount of time it took her to approach the door, run out, lock the door behind them. Without any noise. Yeah, that's another thing. Yeah. You, you don't hear a door opening and closing. So again, it looks really, really credible. She then goes back to the threshold of the kitchen and stands there looking back out towards the living room when the light clicks off in the kitchen again, plunging her into darkness. Yeah. And at that point, dude, you know that ghost is right there. Right you, fucking like, behind me. Less than like three inches away from you and y'all are like eye to eye. Yeah. And they're just looking at you and you're freaking clueless. Dude, that raises like fucking goosebumps on me right now thinking like I could be as close Closer, because we're across the table, as we are right now, and I can't see what's fucking with me. Yeah. Like, gun's not going to help you there, buddy. She bravely stands there in the dark, and you can hear what sounds like the cabinets starting to rattle. Mm -mm. Sabina turns the lights on and looks around her apartment once more, and the video cuts off. What'd you think of that second one, man? Definitely creepy as hell, man. Yeah. And I would say for sure that one might be a paranormal one right there from what I saw. Again, uh, dude. It looked too good. Yeah, again, I tried to put on my debunking hat. And, like, there's got to be a rational explanation for this. And I couldn't think of a damn thing to explain it. So right, right Not now... Not that light switch and how that thing was flicking so clearly and loudly. Yeah. That, that means somebody's throwing that thing back and forth with force. They're not being subtle. It's not like a gentle, it's on. It's like a... Yeah, you're sitting there. You're fucking with it. Yeah. And they're fucking with you. And they're fucking with you, yeah. And that's fucked up. Because you're in there. And it's fucking with... And again, dude, it's like... You with can't see. It's a foot away from her at the at one point in the video. You gotta assume. Because she's standing right by the light switch. Right as it goes off again. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I would... At that point, I'd be getting the fuck out of that house. Yeah, I, dude, I, I know I've said it a, a bunch of times, but this lady's got balls of steel handling it the way she does. Her third video was uploaded on February 20th. So oh, there's another one after that. There's four in total. So less than a month after the second video. It opens with a shot of her mantelpiece above her fireplace. On the mantel, you can see several objects. Starting on the left, the far left, and moving to the right, there's a white guitar, a potted plant, what looks like an old school like alarm clock and a four-legged candle stand and then a lamp. So she's got the camera trained on the mantelpiece and suddenly it jumps left two inches and then slides back to the right and an inch or so back a second later. Then it suddenly rockets backwards slamming into a plant before slipping to the right. Then the alarm clock slides forward again so violently and with so much speed 
it falls off the mantelpiece and lands like two or three feet in front of the mantel. Sabia turns and you can hear noises coming from her darkened bedroom. Without warning, a metal object comes rocketing out of the darkness and lands loudly on the floor. Somehow, she keeps her calm, keeps her camera trained on the object as it slowly begins to slide back and forth across the floor. The debunking part of my brain watched this segment several times. What I feel is important to note is that the metal object is sliding around the floor. It's moving from the darkness further into the light. If it were a wire or something, you should be able to see it when it moves to the more illuminated part of the screen. While the object does not look like it's rolling, it moves in a, in a curious way. Uh, the video quality is not, not so great that I won't say it's not rolling, but it moves back and forth for a while before it eventually goes still. What are your thoughts here, Alan? Not as creepy as her other one, uh, but definitely still pretty creepy. I mean, she's got objects being thrown at her now. You don't think that's as creepy? It seems like now this thing has moved past, I'm going to fuck with you two. I'm actively uh, trying to hurt you. Yeah, I mean, that part's definitely fucking creepy as shit. That thing's like definitely telling her to get the fuck out, and she's staying. So maybe something's haunting the apartment or the house or whatever the hell she's in. Yeah. And it's like, the fuck are you doing in my place? This is my place. Yeah. And it can't let go of it. I, I completely agree, dude. It's, it seems like this thing is becoming more and more clear that it doesn't want her in the home. It went, in, the, in the first video, it was like letting her know, I'm here. In the second one, it was like, I'm here and I'm next to you. And now it's like, I'm going to hurt you. That, that blows my mind. So this, there, there are certain types of haunting. There's like a residual haunt where it's just like the energy left over. Like I watched a video about one investigation where every morning at 4 a.m. you could hear footsteps down the hallway leading into the kitchen. You hear a cabin door open it and close. And then you hear footsteps going back down the hallway. And the investigators explain that phenomenon as a residual haunt because a woman had died in the home and every morning at 4 a.m. she'd got up, she'd gone to the kitchen to make herself cereal eat it, and then she'd go back into her bedroom and get ready. So that's what up at 4 a.m.? Old people, my dad. Our, our dad. Uh, so that's a residual haunt. It's something you did so many times that maybe the energy is left over. But this thing seems intelligent as well as malevolent. It's letting her know not only am I manipulating things at will, I'm letting you know I'm here, but also you're not welcome. And if that wasn't clear in the first three videos, it is in the fourth. Alright, let's hear the fourth. It was uploaded the day after her third video, but it could have possibly been captured later the same night as the object's being thrown. This time the video opens on the same doors as the second video, but this time Sabia is not in her living room, but she appears to be lying in bed. It's dark at first, but then suddenly the lamp on the mantel clicks on, and the dim light you can't make out anyone else in the apartment. It soon clicks back off, and a soft, girly child's voice can be heard in the room as it goes dark again. Now, I don't speak Dutch, so I'm going to have to go off of whoever Nuke uh, got to translate it. But he translated it, and the voice says, Leave. And then there's some indistinct murmuring that can't be made out. Uh, the command is then followed by another few words, like I said, too faint to make it out. The light uh, across from the lamp on what, like the, the lamp on the mantel suddenly comes on. It looks like on like a, a table behind. 
uh, the couch, it certainly comes on and the mantle light goes off. So now there's two lights in the room that are going on and off at will. Now, I don't remember if it was at this point or if it was at an earlier point, but I, we, we kind of disagreed on it when we watched the video. But you can kind of see what looks like a figure standing in the silhouette, like in the silhouette of a figure standing across the room, like just outside her double doors for, or her sliding glass doors to her bedroom. The two lights alternate turning on and off and then come on again together. A second or two later, they turn themselves off at, like in tandem at once, and the video plunges into to darkness. The feed sh shortly after cuts out. What are your thoughts on this one? It's kind of creepy, honestly. Um, it did look like a silhouette to me a little bit, and the thought that creeps me out the most is if this fucker's standing still, He's probably hitting a light switch that could be on the other side of the room. Yeah, that's bizarre. Like, and it's like he's in almost... Everywhere at once. Yeah. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. Because the thing manifests what it looks like in the door, like right in front of the door. Yeah. Almost but, looking at her. But it, at the same time, it's like, not only am I telling you I'm here, but I don't have to be physically where I'm standing to fuck with you. Because I'm manipulating lights that are a good two meters apart. Like a good six feet on either side of the room. Yeah. That part creeps me out a little bit. So what's your general thought about all four videos before I get into mine? I'm gonna say, man, those video, videos were pretty damn compelling, especially with the light switch, the flicking of it, and just it being so clear. And then he's like right around the corner when it's happening, and he jumps around the corner, and then it stops and the doors closed and nothing's going on. Like that's definitely creepy. Yeah. Um, man, I'm gonna have to say probably paranormal on this case. So you you leaning towards paranormal? Yeah. All right. So there are four things that I thought lent credibility to these video clips. The first one is she sounds genuinely petrified. She's scared. It's hard to fake fear credibly when you stage something and you know exactly what's about to happen. And each of the things, like the light going out or object being thrown, uh, she, her reaction seems genuine. It's only one time you hear her scream when the silhouette pops out, uh, but she still sounds credibly afraid. The second thing is, in every one of the videos, she does a good job of looking, like angling the camera around the room, as if she's trying to tell us I'm alone. I'm not saying that there's not places in her apartment for a person to hide. I think there are two doors that she never opens and closes over the course of the video. Uh, and she doesn't like run around the couch when she sees weird things. Uh, so there, I guess there could be someone hiding, but it really doesn't look that way. The third thing is, I mentioned before, the shots are all fluid. There are no jumps as if she was editing, like I think you would find if someone was not alone. Brittany, you're, you're the tech expert. Would, would there be jumps if someone was cutting things together like that? Or could pe someone be so good that it, it seems fluid? It can still look pretty smooth, but there's no way it can be that fluid. Okay. Yeah, there's got to be some kind of an audio leftover, I feel like, if there's another person involved. Yeah. Like, I, I watched uh, Tropic Thunder last night on Amazon Prime. And at different points, like, if you pause the movie, there's, like, continuity errors that Amazon will point out to you in, like, little blurbs. I figured you'd see a continuity error, like 
if she cut it, something that was now like on the mantle at one angle is now at another. If it was a fake video. If it was a fake yeah. video. And you, you see none of that. Uh, the fourth one, I thought the creepy shit kind of de-escalates in a way over time. I feel like if you were going to stage something, you'd build to the most creepy thing, which in, in my opinion was actually seeing a figure poke its head out and look at you. Like objects flying across the room, that's pretty creepy, granted, but again, you're still able to like rationally debunk that, oh, maybe it fell, maybe it slipped, maybe there was an earthquake, a passing car, something rattled it out of place, but you'd build to the figure, you'd build to the creepiest thing, you'd build to your grand finale. Her first video starts with, uh, in my opinion, the creepiest thing. And from there, in the next three videos, while they're certainly creepy, um, it's stuff that in my head, if you were going to stage it, you'd build to. So she starts with the grand finale, uh, and then things kind of de-escalate. I thought that lent a lot of credibility. So this seems like she was genuinely just in her apartment at home, Weird things started to happen, and she thought to herself, I'm going to catch it on camera because I've been telling people about this and no one believes me. So it doesn't seem staged. Every event seems very opportunistic. I agree. This is paranormal. We're not drunk. I feel like that's our first one in a while. And off the top of my head, it's our first uh, double paranormal outside of the Winchester Mystery House, and we saw that weird light moving back and forth. Brittany? You thinking uh, this is gonna be the first ever triple paranormal, or what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's pretty creepy. But is it paranormal? If I had to guess, then yeah, it's paranormal. Um, triple D, triple P, with up? <laughs> That's that is the first triple paranormal in the history of drunkenly paranormal. Uh, that's all we have for you tonight, guys. I want to thank you again for tuning in. If you like what you heard, uh, and you want us to investigate something maybe that's going on in your life. Or something you've seen, shoot us a, uh, a message on uh, drunkenlyparanormal at gmail.com. And if you want to support the podcast, uh, you want to help us keep it going, maybe help us you know, get some gear to improve the sound quality. or Just make... tell Salem how much he sucks. Feel free. Email yeah. us. Yeah, you could, you could email us that as well. Uh, but if you want to help us you know, financially support this podcast, help us maybe get some cameras so you can see who we are, see what we're about. Uh, maybe want to help us get to the point where we can go out and physically be there and investigate these cases, then uh, take a take a quick jaunt over to patreon.com, uh, drunkenly paranormal at page. Nope. <laughs> I always fuck this up. Patreon.com slash drunkenly paranormal. Then go over to. Uh, well, you said it. Yeah, they can hear me. You, you, you heard them. Uh, so, guys, I, I want to remind you as always please don't drink and drive and Harlem. Remember to stay fucked up.